Pastor Ashish shares his recent experience when death came knocking. The prayer he prayed, God's wonderful hand of grace through the entire process, three important reflections during his time of recovery, and three strategic focus areas looking ahead, namely India's cities, nations in the 1040 window, and three streams being merged into one. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can be seated, please. Thank you. Really appreciate your love and your support. Thank you all. Thank you all, every one of you, uh, for your prayers and your, your support during this last month. Several of you sent emails and uh, SMSs and calls. And I'm sorry we were not able to respond to all of them, but I just want to thank you for your love and your support. Thank you also for this time to rest. I know many want to come and visit in the hospital and at home, and we said, no, please, just want to rest, and, and, and appreciate that for honoring and just letting us take the time to rest and uh, recover, and I'm so glad to be back this morning. Are you happy to be in church? Amen. It's good to be uh, in the house of the Lord. I also want to take a moment to thank our associate pastors and uh, the entire staff and all the ministry leaders and all the volunteers, you know, you kept the church going. Amen. I just want to thank you for doing that. And, and let's just give ourselves, give yourself a great hand. Thank you so much. In every location, the work just kept going. And I was so, so thankful for that. I want to especially thank uh, Pastor Jay Kumar and Arthi. I'm not sure. I really appreciate you uh, for doing what you did. I uh, really uh, want to thank you for that. Uh, I'm doing much better. Uh, slowly gaining strength and uh, uh, should be... Uh, back uh, fully, fully physically, uh, I think by next month I should be uh, able to do things. This morning I just wanted to uh, take some time to uh, just share out of this whole experience of what happened and uh, just share some thoughts, some reflections, and, uh, and just uh, share some thoughts, just looking ahead of what do we see. Is that okay? Just wanted to do that. So it's not a typical Sunday morning sermon. It's more of a story, just the sharing from what happened in, our, in my life. Let's take a moment to pray and then we will uh, do this together. Father, we just thank you so much for your grace and your mercy on our lives. We thank you for what you have done. And even this morning, God, as we spend a few moments just reflecting and, and learning together, we pray that by your Spirit, you will touch our lives and that the name of Jesus will be honored and glorify. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It was Monday, March 31st, when just something totally unexpected happened. The previous two days, which was uh, March 29th and March 30th, we had our week in school of ministry. Uh, so those two days, Saturday and Sunday, uh, I was busy at the church office both those days doing the weekend school. Some of you attended. We had a great time, and God, God was just uh, doing wonderful, uh, wonderful things in the lives of those who were present. Monday was a local holiday. It was Ugadi. So um, church office was closed, but Joshua and I decided to go to the church office. Uh, so we did go to the church office, and uh, I was there. I was just uh, working on a book that we planned to release in, in June. And just doing that work, that was on Monday, till about 2.30. Uh, and then we decided, okay, let's go back home. So went home, 
and uh, took a nap, uh, 2.30, 3.30 or so, something like that, took a nap, and then I said, I'll go to the gym. So I went to the gym, and uh, I, I just did about 15 minutes of jogging on the treadmill. And then after that, uh, at the end of that, uh, I just felt a really uneasy feeling in my chest and weakness in both my arms. And uh, I was like, okay, this is very unusual. This has happened. It's just normal to do this 15-minute jog. It's nothing unusual. Uh, but then I said, okay, let me just go do the weights. Uh, but I couldn't do heavy weights. So I was just doing light weights. Just did that for about 15 minutes. The pain kind of subsided. Uh, so I didn't think too much of it. I thought maybe some food that I ate in the afternoon or something. Uh, so I went back home, uh, had bath, and uh, I just went into the kitchen. It was around 6 p.m. Monday evening. And suddenly this, this, this intense burning sensation came up in my chest. And again, the same weakness. But my, I, my whole body felt completely weak. And I started sweating a lot. So I just walked out of the kitchen, went to the living room, sat down, and Joshua saw me. He's saying, Dad, what's, what's happening? And, and I couldn't have, didn't have words to describe what's happening. I just said, I'm feeling weak. And so he said, I'll go get Mommy. And so he went and called Mom, called Amy, and, and all of them were there. Joshua, Ruth, Amy were there. And I was just sitting there totally weak and sweating. Uh, and I needed to go to the restroom. So I went to the restroom, came back. I uh, just continued sweating. And it was very unusual now. And uh, so Amy said, okay, we're going to take you to the hospital. And uh, right at that moment, three of them just laid hands on me, prayed in the name of Jesus. We command this pain to go. We command, you know, healing. And uh, we just left. I was just wearing a T-shirt, shorts, and my rubber chapels. Just left. And uh, Dad and Nancy uh, were living in an apartment on the same floor. Now, they don't live there normally. They live in another block next to us. But their home was going undergoing renovation, so they were living right, uh, they're temporarily living for two months uh, in an in a apartment on the same floor. So Amy said, I'll just go run up, uh, get uh, get aspirin from dad, and then we'll go. In the meantime, I took the elevator, went to the basement, went to the car. Amy went, got the aspirin, dad came along, and uh, got in the car, and we were driving to the hospital. And I was sweating, sweating, and I knew, and I knew this was something more than just some sort of a stomach thing, you know. Uh, and... Uh, and so I took the aspirin, of course, in the car, and we were on the way to the hospital. Amy was watching the gas because the tank was almost empty. <laughs> we had to get to the hospital. And uh, the other thing was dad was encouraging me to cough because, you know, uh, uh, we just read this email where, you know, if, if you have a problem with your heart, you cough, and it at least it help keep the blood going or something. So... I was trying to cough, but I was feeling so weak. So I would cough a little bit and just gain, try to get a little strength and cough again. Try to do that. I couldn't even pray. I was just so weak. Uh, and somehow we made it to the hospital. Uh, got out of the car, went into the emergency, and I was totally sweating. So uh, as soon as he walked in, Amy told the, the medical resident, chest pain. So they immediately put me out on the bed, bed flat. One of them uh, asked, you know, like, well, did you pour water on yourself or something? What happened? I was so drenched. Uh, they put me on the bed. And uh, so we were in the emergency room. And uh, they quickly did an ECG. And they immediately found, you know, the ECG clearly indicated that there was a, a heart 
thing going on, a myocardial infarction. So the medical resident, uh, along with Amy, went to another medical resi resident there, showed it to him, and he immediately got in touch with the cardiologist, the consulting cardiologist there. Uh, it was an off day. It was his leave day, but the cardiologist agreed to come in. So he was going to come in. And so here I was on the uh, bed in the emergency room. I was lying there, and, and, and a lot of things were happening. The, immediate, the, the, the doctors and nurses immediately acted on me. Uh, they, um, you know, they gave me, they crushed some medicines, told me to have some medicine, and an intravenous drip was done, and it was all going on. Must have been there about 10 minutes, but that's when the worst thing happens. Lying there on that bed, maybe for about 10 minutes, suddenly the pain became intense. I, I don't have words to describe it, what is, except that to say it was totally unbearable. Uh, it seemed like my whole chest and my heart was being ripped apart. It, I never experienced that kind of pain lying on that bed. And suddenly I knew I was at the point of death. I just knew. I said, if I don't survive this, my life was going to end right here. I just knew that. I was, I was at towing the line of death. And uh, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't express or say anything. Uh, all, the, you know, all the doctors, nurses, everybody was doing lots of things. Uh, but I prayed. I knew I was at that moment of death. So close to death. And I, uh, lying on the bed, I lifted my right hand up to God with whatever strength I had. I couldn't vocalize my words, but I just moved my lips. And this is what I prayed. I just said, Lord Jesus, I have served you faithfully all my life. And as I was, I must say this, that at that moment when I was about to pray, I wouldn't say I had a vision, but at least in my mind's eye, I could see Jesus, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. And I was addressing my prayer. To what I was seeing at that moment. And Amy saw my hand lifted up. She saw my lips moving. I'm sure the others all were watching this. And, I, and I, I was looking at Jesus. And I said Lord Jesus. I have served you faithfully all my life. I looked at God the Holy Spirit. I said dear Holy Spirit. You're my comforter. And I know you're with me right here. Right now. And I looked at Jesus. And I said Lord Jesus. I need to live. I need to live for my wife. I need to live for my children. Without my wife, without my children. And I said, Lord Jesus, I need to live for the people. And I thought of all of you. I thought of the church. And I thought of this in the great nation of India where so much of work is still to be done. So I said, Lord Jesus, I need to live for the people. There is still so much work to be done. Lord Jesus, I need to live. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that was it. I, I just left it at that. And uh, 
I was at peace. It was, I was not anxious, not terrified, worried, but just leaving it to the hands of the Lord at that moment. The Bible does tell us in Psalm 91 verse 15, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And God is faithful to his word. From the emergency room in a few minutes, I think a few minutes later, they wheeled me off into the ICU. I don't know too much about what happened in the ICU. I, I know that they were cutting open my t-shirt. <laughs> and they were get, dressing me up, uh, you know, get, getting me ready for something. But after that, it's kind of a little blur. I, I don't know all that took place there. The next time I, I kind of really recognized what was happening was I found myself on the bed, in the uh, lying down in the cardiac uh, catheterization lab, or they call it the cath lab, and uh, uh, the anesthesiologist was there, the cardiologist, the doctor was there, and I knew they were doing something on me. He was telling me what was going on. Uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, they can access, they, they can sneak into your heart through many ways, either through your femoral artery or vein or through your arm or through your jugular vein, they can get in there. So they kind of got in through the femoral artery and vein, put the uh, catheter in, they did an angiogram. And uh, uh, basically the angiogram helps you see what's going on in your heart. And so if you look at the heart, just a, a 30 second physiology here. If you look at the heart, now you have your uh, two main arteries that provide blood for your heart. You have uh, the right coronary artery and the left uh, the one on the left was perfectly fine. But what they found when they did the angiogram was on the right coronary artery, which, which supplies the right atrium, the left vent the ventricle, and uh, also even to the SA node, the pacemaker of the heart, they found a 100% block. So if you look, uh, the next slide shows you the angiogram there. Uh, there was a 100% block right at the top of the right coronary artery. Now how that happened, it was very puzzling. Um, what we suspected is maybe there was a plaque building up and that ruptured and they just just blocked up the, the heart. So there's 100% block there, but uh, uh, and the cardiologist was just great. They worked on, um, they did the angioplasty, opened it up, put in a stent, and uh, uh, so that the blood supply could be restored that you'd see there in the normal uh, thing that happens. So that's what that's what was done, and. Uh, Later on, when we met the cardiologist two weeks later for a follow-up, he told me, he told us this. He said, do you know that you almost died on that table? He said, your heart stopped beating on that table. And they just had, in time, they had a pacemaker so they could keep their heart going while they finished the procedure. And he said, if you'd come 10, 15 minutes late, you may not have survived. May not have survived. The Bible tells us in Psalm 116, verse 18. And I've read this many, many times before, but this became so, so meaningful. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. He actually did that. Amen. But through it all, there's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot to be thankful for. Thank God that it was a 
holiday, even though I went and worked. Amy was at home. The streets were not too crowded. We could get to the hospital quickly. The emergency room was not crowded. Uh, people acted very quickly. Thank God the cardiologist was willing to come in. The doctor did tell me this is Dr. Amy's husband and he responded. And just, just a lot to be thankful for. Thank God the dad and Nancy were there uh, as a great support for the timely intervention for the church family. Just so much, so much to be thankful for. We could see the hand of God, God's grace in every detail to this whole thing. The Bible tells us that God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Some of the other scriptures that you and I are very familiar with. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no will not be afraid. Why? For thou art with me. Hey, God is with us. Even if we have to walk to the valley of the shadow of death. The psalmist said, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let's say this together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. God is a good God. Amen. Now the next five days in the hospital. Just reflecting back. Thinking about everything that happened. There were three, three important things that, that, that really stood out in my heart, my mind. That I just focused myself on. And I want to share them with you this morning. During that time, just, just lying in bed waiting for things to happen and, and all that. Here were my three main key focus during that recovery period. The first thing I chose to do was I refused to question why God. I only choose to worship God. Now I chose not to question why God. Why did you allow this to happen to me? Why did this happen? I refuse to question God. Because one thing we know, that God is a good, there's no need even to question why. As though he was being unfair or uh, he had suddenly forgotten to be good or he suddenly decided to be mean. No, he's always a good God. God is too good to do me wrong. God is too wise to make a mistake. God is too strong to let me down. Do you believe that? He's a good God all the time. So I chose, I'm never going to question why God. I'm just going to worship Him, for He's God. He's the creator of the universe. He's powerful, He's everything. I'm going to worship Him. When, when you know Him for who He is, you don't need an explanation for everything. Some of us might find it hard to accept. But when you know somebody for who he is, when you know God for who he is, you don't need an explanation for everything. You just worship him for who he is. You simply walk knowing he is who he said he is. He's good all the time. You enjoy the peace 
that is beyond understanding. The world is looking for peace. But here's the problem. We want to understand first and then get peace. But Jesus says, I will give you peace, the kind of peace the world can't give. The only thing is this. It's the peace that is beyond understanding. You can only experience it, but you can't figure it out. The only way the finite connects with the infinite is through faith in God. Amen? When we have that simple faith, when we have that trust, we can experience the peace that is beyond understanding. We just simply trust. So I chose not to even look at God and say, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? No, not even once. I'm reminded of what Isaiah said in Isaiah 29 and verse 16. He says this. He says, surely God is speaking to his people. He says, surely you have, turned, you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? Or shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me? Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding? I mean, like God is saying, hey, Listen, you've, you've got these roles reversed. Can the clay tell the potter, you don't know what you're doing? Can the clay tell the potter, I know better than you, or why are you doing, why are you doing what you're doing? No. Now, however, I did look at why from our perspective, from a natural perspective, from my own life, I, I examine my own life. And so there are three major factors if you want to look at it. You know, there are, and, and, and of course the doctors will tell us this, and uh, the first two parts. There is the hereditary, of course. Uh, it could, could be genetic, and, or it could be lifestyle and, and, the, and the world in which we live in now. Uh, we need to take care of our diets, our exercise, rest, and managing stress. Some of us could be in really stressful positions at work, and, and so we need to take care of those things. And I also looked at the spiritual, because even I was, as I was lying on the bed one of those days, I suddenly had this sense that, hey, I know the enemy can come in and do something like this. I know it, but I also know that we are secure in Christ. Unless we open a door. And so that was my question. That I was going to examine my own life. Were there any open doors that I let the enemy come through? Uh, to be able to touch me and do, do something like this. So I looked at these three things. And of course I just want to make a statement here that, uh, that I did decide and have decided to make some changes to my lifestyle. Be a little bit more careful in the things I eat and Make sure I get enough rest and, and all those things. And I want to encourage all of us as well. And as much as we uh, believe in God and, 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 and believe that God is our healer, I think we also need have our own responsibility to take care of these bodies God has given to us. Amen? So, you know, the biryanis, the kebabs, <laughs> you got to watch out on that. Take it a little easy. Uh, 
you know, do what needs to be done to make sure that our lifestyle uh, uh, is in proper order so that we don't uh, uh, unnecessarily uh, affect our body. So I, I did look at that and I, uh, and I did look at some of the changes that uh, I, I need to make. The second thing I did during this time was I refused to give in to negative emotions. I chose to maintain only positive emotion. That means I refuse to let any kind of bitterness or anger toward God or toward the circumstances. And when some things like this happen, you're not expecting this. And you're trying to live a decent life. You're not smoking, you're not drinking, you're not doing all those things that, um, uh, you know, uh, that are risk factors for something like this. And, 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 and when, when this happens... It's so easy to become angry with God or just angry about life and, and, and get upset with these things. But you make a choice that you're not going to let any of these negative things fill your heart. Instead, you make a choice that you're going to be thankful for what you do have. That you're going to be cheerful about life. You're going to rejoice in the Lord no matter what, hap what has happened. So I chose to do that, lying on the bed there in the hospital. I said, I'm refusing to give in to any kind of negative emotion. And you know, the Bible does teach us a merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. A merry heart does good like. So keep that smile. Be happy. Be cheerful. It's good. Like medicine, the Bible says. And the Bible does teach us in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 and also in 18. It says, rejoice always. I mean, rejoice all the time. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Rejoice always. Not grumble always. Rejoice always. In everything, in the middle of whatever you are, in everything the Bible teaches us, give thanks. Give thanks. And that's the will of God. So you say, what is God's will for me? God's will for you is to give thanks. In the middle of everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So that was my second thing. I'd make the choice. The last thing, the third thing is this. As I look ahead, I refuse to operate out of fear. I choose to operate out of faith. You know, it's so easy when something like this happens that you suddenly pull back into a shell of fear. And, and fear cripples us. Fear creates self-imposed limitations. And so we should not let such things cause us to get into a shell of fear and saying, okay, I can't do anything more. But we must operate out of faith because faith receives God's plans, God's wisdom, and God's empowering to fulfill them. Now this does not mean I would be foolish. I would operate by the wisdom of God, but I will not let fear 
dominate me. I will continue walking by faith. Amen? After Joshua had brought the people of God into the land of Canaan, he'd spent about seven years conquering many cities that God had told him to conquer. He was about a hundred years old at this time. And uh, here's what the Lord speaks to him in Joshua the 13th chapter in the first verse. The Lord says to Joshua, the Bible says, You know, Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Now leave the old part aside. <laughs> but the part that I want to focus on is this. There remains very much land yet to be there's still a lot to be done. There remains very much land to be possessed. So we must move with faith and wisdom to possess what is still to be taken. The work is not done. And so Bible college graduates, today is your day. You are graduating You've completed two years with us and, 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 and we are so proud of you. But I want to leave you with this words from Joshua 13 verse 1. There remains very much land yet to be possessed. It is true that many have served the Lord in our nation. It is true. It is true that there are many who are serving the Lord. But there still remains very much land to be possessed. There are still places that God is looking for somebody to go to. There are still people that God is waiting for somebody that he could send to them. There remains very much land yet to be possessed. And you are that generation that will go and possess the lands. So I want to leave this word with you. Always operate out of faith. Never let fear cripple you. Amen. Always operate out of faith. Don't let fear hold you back. There still remains a lot of work to be done. And you are that generation. Looking ahead. I want to leave this with us as a church body. I want to place this before us as a congregation, as a people who have come together to journey, to make this journey together. There are three things that God was just putting on my heart and I want to leave this with us. What are we going to do as a church as we look at what lies ahead? Three important things that then we're going to pray. The first thing I want to present to us is this, that as a church, as a people, we must pursue God's presence so that we could be a house that is filled with God's glory so that we can impact our city and cities across our nation with the supernatural power of God. Amen. Now I've been thinking over and over again, God, what is it that will impact our city? 
and cities across our nation. What is it? What, what is it going to take to be like the church we read about in the book of Acts? There's only one thing the book of Acts has. It is the power of God in demonstration. Amen? So we as a church, and I want to invite all of us as a, as a people, that we must pursue God's presence so that we could be a house that is filled with the glory of God so that we can impact our city and the cities across our nation with the power of God. The Economist, this was issued recently in, uh, I think it was in last month, one of the econ issues in The Economist. Stated the following things. They said that right now, there are about 50 Indian cities, cities in our nation that have more than 1 million people. 50 cities with more than 1 million people. And uh, in the next three, 25 years, about 300 million people will move from their villages and they will migrate to cities. And what's projected, here's the forecast, that by 2051, 60% of India's population will be living in cities. We must be aware of this entire shift and migration, the change that's happening across our nation. People are moving into the cities. By 2051, 60% of India's population will be in cities. Which means that we as a church and as a people must be prepared to impact not only our city, but cities across our nation. And so we are on that journey. We are asking the Lord, saying, God, how, how can we do this? How can we impact our own city and, and get ready to impact cities across our nation? How can we do that? Because we know what's coming up ahead. Soon the mission field is not going to be somewhere far away. It's going to be right around you. The city in which you live is your mission field. And so as a local church... First of all, we must be that church. We must be that kind of people who will be so filled with the glory of God that we can impact our city by the power of God in signs, wonders, miracles, and healings so that people will come and see the power of God and the glory of God in our midst. Amen? We also want to equip and empower pastors and local churches and believers all across our nation so that they can impact their own communities and cities and regions for the kingdom of God. And that's why we're doing what we're doing as we go across our nation. We're doing it with this intention that we could equip pastors, equip local churches, equip believers so that they can get ready to impact their own cities and communities. And thirdly, something that we have be 
preparing ourselves is to raise up a new generation of ministers who know how to minister in the city. One of the things we see as we go across cities in our own nation is that ministers are not ready or, or have not been equipped to reach their cities. And so we are not penetrating our cities. And so really we need to prepare ourselves to raise up a generation of ministers who know how to minister in a city and know how to reach a city for the kingdom of God. We'll talk more about that later. The next two points I want to present to us as a congregation as we look forward. Number two is this. That we must prepare to go to the nation. You know, from the time we moved back to India and, and started the church here, the work here, our entire focus was simply on Bangalore City and the nation of India. I know our vision statement says we will be a voice to our, we will be salt and light in our city, a voice to our nation and to the nations. I know that's our vision statement. But I, I never really gave too much thought on going to the nations part. I said, God, let's first finish the work in our own city and do our work in our own nation. That was all the focus was on. Wasn't too interested in the nation's part. That will come in its time. But I remember so clearly on the 19th of March. I was awake. It was probably at 12 or 1 a.m. at night. I woke up. And that was the day when we were preparing as a team to go to Chandigarh for our pastor's conference there. And I was woken up very early and and I just felt the Lord speak to me. When I say speak to me, it was not some audible voice or anything. But the Lord just impressing very clearly, very heavily on my heart saying, prepare to go to the nations. 19th of March. And what has clearly impressed on my heart was this region of, this wor of the world, which is commonly in the mission terms is known as a 1040 window. So if you look at the world map, you will see that part of our world, which in terms, in, in terms of missions, the Christian missions, they call it the 1040 window. Originally, when it was first coined in the early 1990s, it referred to the nations that, that lie between 10 degrees north latitude to 40 degrees north latitude. Over time, they expanded it and made some people refer to it as 10 degrees south to 40 degrees north. But it basically represents this area that you see on the map. And this is a very important part of the world because all of the least evangelized nations in the world today lie in this one little block called the 1040 window. 22 Arab nations that form the Arab League all lie in this block. And God was saying, prepare to go to the nations. Get ready. Not saying go, he's saying prepare to go. Meaning you start your preparation now to go to these nations. And I remember that morning, 19th morning, as I was just receiving this, I also wrote down several ways in which we are going to impact this part of our world. How are we going to do it? Our Bible college will become a very important part because we are going to go not just to plant, not to plant churches directly ourselves, but we're going to go there to equip local people 
so that they in turn can do the planting of the churches and impacting of their nation. Christian Leaders Conference, which is to equip leaders so they can know how to do the ministry and how to uh, uh, lead God's people properly. The marketplace becomes such an important part of the ministry so that we go there to equip believers in the marketplace. Show them how they can be uh, successful in the marketplace as believers. The worship school. I thank God for the worship that we are experiencing and, and, and the realms of worship that we are pressing into. But we need to take it to them and impart this to them so they can also worship God. And our publications in local languages. So I put these things down. Okay, these are the ways we are going to go and impact the 1040 window. Are you with me so far? Yes? When I say we, I mean all of us. Right? Not say, Pastor, you go. <laughs> I mean all of us. That we need to find what God wants us to do and go to these, some of these places and begin to make a difference. Of course, we're going to leverage technology as well. It's quite interesting to know that more than 100 that people from more than 100 countries are using our websites. Imagine that. People from more than 100 countries are coming to our church website using the resources there. And all we're doing is putting it out there and making it available. So we just need to strengthen that, our use of technology, so that we can actually impact these nations. And the last thing, I want to share with us here as we look ahead before we pray. And this happened the 22nd of March. We were actually in Chandigarh. It was the last day we are going to come back. And I had a very strange dream uh, uh, that day, 22nd of March. I, want to go, I won't go into the details of the dream, but essentially the meaning of the dream was this. That God was calling us as a church to see the coming together of three streams. One stream was that of the supernatural, of miracles and healings. The other was the prophetic and deliverance. And third was missions. That as a church, our mandate is to see these three streams come together. And that's going to help us fulfill what God is calling us to do. So that as we go forward... As we prepare ourselves to impact our city, our nation, and the 1040 window. This is how we're going to do it. That we as a church must learn how to blend these three streams of healings and miracles. Of the prophetic and deliverance of missions. See these three coming together in us. And then we'll be able to go in and fulfill what God is calling us to do. Amen? So that's what we're looking ahead to. That's our future. We're going to take some time to pray right now and call our worship team up. I want us to pray for several different things here this morning. First of all, I want to ask us this question. Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready to meet your maker? I realized... That in as much as, you know, we can do things that we need to do, you never know when death can come knocking. Never know. 
I wasn't living a reckless life. I wasn't trying to be careful and all of that. But yet, at the moment when thing was, things were so unexpected, death came knocking. It would be presumptuous on our part to say, I'll wait till I'm 80 and then decide to follow Jesus. Please, don't be so presumptuous. The best thing to do is to be ready now. And to be ready all the time. Was I prepared? I was absolutely ready. But I knew I just needed to be here. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I ready to meet my maker today? Am I ready to cross the line and stand before the Lord? If there's any reason for doubt or any kind of uncertainty, then I just want you right now, this service, to make sure that everything is okay. So what guarantee is there? The Bible is a guarantee. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, the Bible says, He who has Jesus has life, and he who has not the Son of God does not have life. If you have Jesus, you have life. That's the guarantee. The Bible says the result of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's a gift, eternal life. That's through His Son, Jesus Christ. So if there's any reason of doubt and any reason that you're not sure, all it takes is for you to pray and say, Jesus, I receive this gift. I'm I want to be ready. I ask you to forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to be ready anytime, any day. You never know when death can come knocking. Secondly, I want to pray for those who may be questioning God why. You know, things happen in life. We don't have control of everything that happens. But it's possible that something tragic may have happened in your life. Something totally unexpected. Something may have gone wrong. And you've been stuck in that place of saying, why did this happen? I want an answer. And until God gives me an answer, I'm not going to move on. Can the clay say to the potter, you don't know what you're doing? Is it right for the clay to tell the potter, you have no understanding? I don't think so. I think we've got to be willing to trust and say, God, even though I don't understand why, I know who you are. You are a good God. You're a wise God. You're a powerful God. You're too good to do me wrong. You're too wise to make a mistake. You're too strong to let me down. This morning could be a morning, but you get up out of that place. You've been stuck asking why and say, God, I'm going to walk the rest of my journey by faith. Never mind the why. I'm still going to worship you. Why this happened to me? Why this tragedy? Why this thing? 
I'm going to move beyond it by faith. I want to pray for those who might be bitter about things that have happened. Things have happened, you've been you're angry with God. You're bitter about life. That things turned out the way they did. The Bible calls us to be thankful, cheerful, rejoicing. Bitterness only destroys us, destroys our life. We need to go past that and say, God, fill my heart with joy. Fill my heart with your peace. Fill my heart with, with rejoicing. I want to come to you this morning just as I am. I want to exchange my bitterness, these negative emotions for the joy of the Lord, for the peace of God. Lastly, I want to pray for those of us who might be crippled by fear because of what has happened. Maybe you were journeying on real strong and nice and well and something happened and then it just crippled you, put an end, put a stop to your progress. But this morning, would you say, God, deliver me from my fear so that I could just move on in my journey. I could press ahead no matter what has happened. I don't want fear to cripple my life. I don't want fear to rob me of my destiny. I don't want fear to hold me tied down to this point in my life. I want to finish my course. I want to run the race that's ahead. Give me faith. Could we please stand? Bible college students, today you're going to do the praying. I want you to leave your uh, diploma safely on your chair. I want you to come, please, and line up here and face the audience. You're going to pray for people. Come on. Just stand here and face the people. They're going to come to you. I want you to pray for them. Just give enough room between yourselves. Just pray with people. Let God use you this morning. I want to invite any of our pastors or life group leaders. If you want to come and stand here and pray for people, please do that right now. Just come and stand here. We're going to pray for people this morning. There could be people amongst us who are stuck questioning God why. There could be people who are crippled by fear or with bitterness. And they need healing in their heart. There could be those who need to get ready to meet their maker this, and just be ready. You never know when the, it, it's, it's time to cross the line. There will be people who need prayer. So I just want the life group leaders, pastors, to come and stand here so that we could pray for people, please. This morning, if you identify yourself with any one of these things that we've talked about, I want this service to be a moment when things will change in your life. I want you to take the step and come forward and say, God, I want you to do something in me. Release me from this fear. Release me from this bitterness. Release me, Lord, from this questioning of why. Or maybe you just need to be prepared to get right with God so that you know that you will be with Him in heaven. Any of these things, I just want you to come forward and just let them pray with you that the Lord use them to minister to you. As the worship team sings right now, you're welcome to come and we're going to pray together.
Thou will 
Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let's say that together. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures for. I'll say it again. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. God is a good God. Amen. And his mercy endures forever. His mercy, the Bible says, is new every morning. Every morning. Amen. Let's just take a moment just to thank the Lord. We close. Father, we just thank you for this morning, for this time in your presence. Thank you for what you have done in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Because you are good. 
And your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Lord, we will worship you. We will praise you. We will honor you, God. We will always glorify you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Get ready for our exciting future. Amen. Let's impact our city, cities across our nation and the nations. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon. See you again. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.